Hello, everyone. Before we begin, I wanted to let you know that I'm really excited about something I'm about to host at the end of June. It's going to be called Songwriting Soul Retrieval. And in the last week of June, I'm going to be beginning an eight-week DreamWork experience for songwriters and musicians who wish to develop a really deep relationship between their dreams and their songwriting process. This relationship for me has changed literally everything about my songwriting. At first I thought that my dreams were simply aiding me in finding my true sound and helping me to tap a level of depth and vulnerability I've only ever skidded around. Which is true, they are doing that for me. But I soon realized this isn't just songwriting. This is soul retrieval. These are songs offered by my dreams from my depths, zones within me, aspects of me, whom haven't had a voice in a very long, long time. Reconnecting with these voices, voices often of pain and grief, of longing for my belonging, voices of my trampled human beauty, Voices of this deeper praise and power that's emerging. Our voice is really a collection of voices. It's a chorus. And now, inner peace to me is all of these voices singing in harmony, which feels like a really gorgeous image to me. So if any of that strikes a chord... (laughs) Sorry... Uh, and you are a musician or songwriter. I'm not sorry for that. That was ridiculous. I'm leaving my email in the show notes. From there, I will be able to give you all of the info on what each of the eight weeks will entail that details all of the deep work that we're going to be doing together, what each of the weeks are going to focus on, and what the whole arc of this eight-week journey will really look like. And then we can go from there. I would be deeply honored for you to join me and for you to start your journey of songwriting soul retrieval. Thank you for your time. And now, let's start the show. Our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role our dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. These, 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 these are, are dreams, dreams that shape us. Dreams that shape us. I like to say that dreams show and you decide. You decide what to do with the perspective they show you and the information they give you. If dreams made your decisions for you, it would work against the ultimate goal of dreaming, for the ego to become more conscious and develop into an equal partner with the unconscious mind. I'm often asked, are my dreams telling me to do this or 
or that or whatnot? And my answer is they aren't telling you to do anything. They're showing you your options. Don't expect them to decide for you. They're showing you options for what may materialize in the future. What will the future you be like? Dreams show you the possibilities for the person you can become, the life you can have, the relationships you can form, and where to find your opportunities. And as many mothers-to-be attest to, their dreams show them the children they may someday have. Fathers-to-be also dream about the children that will materialize in their lives. My co-host Stevie E is about to give you the lowdown on his experience with it. And during Season 1, Episode 12, we heard from Jim, his dream that showed him the future kids he would adopt. As you hear about our guest Zivia Gover's story about the dream that showed her, despite thinking at the time it would never happen, that she would be a mother one day, notice how she set the condition for it to happen. She decides to accept motherhood on one condition, and it's a way of saying yes to the possibility. I think this is the ultimate power of manifestation. In so many ways, we decide our futures while dreaming. That's why you really want to pay attention, another reason, to your responses while dreaming, a cornerstone of the five-star method of dream work taught by Professor Scott Sparrow. And if a dream ends unresolved, feel free to imagine a better outcome and see it happen in your mind's eye. That's a cornerstone of the experiential school of dream work. And that too is a supercharged way to manifest. There is so much more you have to look forward to in this episode. I'm J.M. DeBoard, your co-host. And now, here's Steve and Zivia. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. I'm your co-host Steve Erninwine and I am here tonight with Zivia Gover. We have quite the story ahead for you. Uh, she is going to be sharing an amazing tale of what she says is an unusual motherhood journey. And we get to see exactly how the dreams have helped shape her in the way of helping guide her and helping her navigate motherhood. Uh, from what I know about it, it's it's going to be a beautiful, heartfelt, maybe at some points, heart-wrenching story. And... Uh, yeah, we're happy to have you here. So thank you for being here. I'm happy to be here. I love your mission of sharing the depth of dreams. And um, so I'm, I'm glad to be part of this. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we really love how we're able to show, like, we're not just talking open-endedly about dreams. We're, like, really diving deeply into exactly how they did what they did <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's, it's been such an awesome honor to to be able to have people come on here and and really share very vulnerably uh, exactly what that looked like for them so yeah ahead of time thank you for for being willing to do that yourself um so to begin uh uh zivia had reached out to me uh Saying, you know, I, I love your mission for your podcast and, you know, dreams have shaped pretty much literally every aspect of my life. Um, would love to come on your show. And we were sussing out a few different options that she could maybe do. And do you want to tell the, do 
you want to tell your side of that story, like how you incubated to figure out what story you wanted to tell? Yeah, yeah. So the the title of of your podcast and um, the invitation that you extend to folks who come on is to talk about a dream that shaped them. And as you said so succinctly, dreams have literally shaped every aspect of my life. I mean, every decision I make, um, I consult them first and or every big decision. And whether I ask for them or not, they come and they weigh in and, and I follow. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's a conversation, you know, so between myself and my dreams. So when we were talking about the different possibilities, I raised several and I couldn't decide. You, you put it back in my court, you know, the dreamer <laughs> is the authority. And so I asked my dreams. I literally incubated a dream um, that night. So some of the choices we had talked about were dreams of love and romance, you know, because dreams led me to my husband. Um, you know, we could have done dreams and and my work journey or dreams in my motherhood journey. So I asked my dreams. Um, this was on December 29th that evening. Uh, I said to my dreams before sleep, I'm trying to decide which dream to share on the dreams that change us podcast. And so one of the options was um, my motherhood journey or the love dreams or something else. And then I just said to the dreams, I'm listening. And I had a dream that night that I was baking. And um, when I pull, you know, what I'm baking out of the oven, it's a sheet cake. And it's a cake for my daughter's birthday, my daughter who's now fully grown. And I put it on the table, which was laid out with other items to eat. And this white sheet cake, you know, white frosting, I put it down on what was a snow-covered table, which is really interesting. Hmm. And um, there were other things in the front, including something else with a candle in it. You know, on recall, I couldn't quite picture if it was a menorah with a candle on it. You know, this was shortly after Hanukkah, the stream. Or maybe it was another birthday cake with a candle. But in any case, that candle was glowing, um, but not fully lit. It was more like a a glowing spark. And my daughter was facing the table, and I pulled my birthday cake, the one I made for her, to the front of the table so that, you know, we wouldn't burn ourselves leaning over it. Um, (laughs) That had a candle in it, too, of course. And she got a little annoyed at me for rearranging things. But in any case, I said, um, you know, it's okay. And I pulled the cake forward. And in fact, and this is interesting about my dreams too, um, the cake turned over and the frosting got marred. It got a little smudged. And I said to my daughter, okay, I can fix that. But I knew there was a lot to mine in this dream, but on the surface, it was very clear that I should share the birthday, the the birthday, the how my daughter came to be dream, you know, uh, because yeah. this was a dream literally about her birthday. Um, so I I called you back or I emailed you and I said, well, I know which dream it's going to be. Um, and and that dream that I just shared is a whole lot longer than the dream we're going to be talking about. Um, so yeah, there it was that white birthday cake. And I felt like that was my sign that it might not be simple. It might not be easy because there was some issues in the dream, but that this is the dream. Mm, Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. I, I, you didn't share the whole dream with me. So yeah, that's really, really cool. Wow. Yeah. 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 So the synchronicity, I, I had emailed you the other day saying, well, it'd be really cool if we did this interview on Thursday. So we're right now we're at Thursday, January 26th recording this. And yesterday was my birthday. Right. Um, so I was like, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it was just seemed like really cool that it was going to be butted up so close to my birthday when you had your birthday dream that inspired it. So. Well, Steve, there's yet another layer to that synchronicity now, because in preparing for our interview, I went back to the journal uh, that had that original dream that we're going to get to um, quite soon, I'm sure, unless our synchronicities keep taking us on this, <laughs> this other journey. And, you know, one of the aspects of the story of how I became a mother is that I never intended to be a mother. I didn't want to be. Um, I was quite clear about that all up until my early 20s. And I met a woman who I fell in love with, and she is the one with whom I had my daughter. Uh, she gave birth to her, and we co-parented her together. Well, going through my diaries, I came across the day I met my daughter's other mother, and it was January 25th. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, that's, you know. and then I thought to myself, oh, it's too bad we aren't, do you know, I thought it's so close. It would have been cool if we were actually doing this interview on the 25th. Oh, man. That the 25th was your birthday. So <laughs> um, I'm already getting chills. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Holy Wild. smokes. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like this is meant to be very much so then. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's quite the introduction to this whole story. Um, so I guess to begin, I'd like to give uh, the listeners and our guests the opportunity to kind of, so you just kind of told a little bit about, you know, the story, but if you could, if you could kind of give us an idea, like, uh, you know, where you were in your life, like leading up to, um you know, maybe having your daughter just to, just to kind of give us some backstory on you and where you were at at that point in your life. You said you were very firm on not wanting a, a, a child. So yeah. Um, what, what, what all happened there that changed that for you, I guess? Well, what happened was I fell in love with somebody who wanted a baby, but how it all went down was ever since I was very young, I remember being about 12 years old and talking to my grandmother, who's a very traditional Jewish woman, and telling her that I had no intention of having children, and that <laughs> if I ever did have children, I would want to adopt. And, you know, she practically fell off her chair. She was appalled. <laughs> but that was very clear to me. Um, I felt like I had a lot of things I wanted to do in life, and you know, this was back in the early 70s, I guess. And I didn't see that you could have a baby and also do all the things I wanted to do with my life. So mm. um, I was very clear about that. And in fact, when I came out um, as a lesbian in college um, and I told my mom, she was fine. She was actually cheerful and enthusiastic. She knew the woman I'd fallen in love with. This was not my daughter's mother. This was previous. 
And she said, my only regret for you is that you won't have children. And I said, no, <laughs> this is, this is to me like, um, you know, one of the bonuses. <laughs> so, um, fast forward just a few years to, um, I was out of college. I was living on my own and, um, I was taking karate classes and I met another woman who I just fell head over heels with. And she was very interesting. Um, she was artistic and just very different and beautiful. And we fell in love and, um, it turned out, I found out, you know, within a month or two of being together that one of her biggest life uh, goals, visions for herself was to be a mother. And that was a problem. <laughs> but um, I was young and my understanding of this relationship after much discussion was if I wanted to be with her, I needed to get on board with this. And um, she was a good uh, convincer. <laughs> mm. she, she made a good case. And so um, this was af well after I had the dream that we're going to talk about. Uh, that's how I became a mother. A co-parent is what we called me. Um, but yeah, a mom. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really uh, beautiful. I'm I'm impressed that you're willing to. I mean, I guess love does that, doesn't it? it yeah, especially I mean, when you're young like that. Yeah. We were young. Um, so this dream that you were going to bring to me. When did this happen before she was pregnant or did that oh, yes. happen? Yeah. So literally this dream came within a week or two after I met her. Oh. So very soon after we met. And believe me, I had no idea what to make of this dream. So if you want, I can just tell you the dream. I have it right here. I, I've dug out the journal. <laughs> yeah. So to preface this real quick, when she emailed me this dream, she said, this will probably be the shortest dream that you've ever had hosted on your podcast. And <laughs> what I thought was just the title of the dream. And then she forgot to fill it, fill in the blanks throughout the rest of her email. I got to the end and then I realized when I reread it that no, it wasn't the title. That was the whole dream. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, so awesome so yeah please please uh, feel free to share that well now that i have the the actual journal in front of me it's maybe a sentence longer than what i sent you <laughs> okay i see a woman coming out of the blackness holding a baby she is robed i don't have the feeling the baby was hers i said you're too early and that was it wow Wow. Yeah, I think all you told me was a robed woman hands me a baby or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah, that's that's actually that gives me a whole different sight for for what that dream means for you. Then, especially if you're saying you're like you're here too early. Yeah. Almost like you're yeah. just inside of this relationship. Like you can't bring this to me just yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah huh. and and within let's see that was 83 is that right yeah yeah my daughter was born five years later wow yeah so the significance of this dream 
I mean, I'll be curious to hear what you have to say, but because I had no intention, I mean, for me, having a baby was nowhere in my consciousness. So I forgot this dream. I didn't remember it at all. I didn't write any commentary about it in my journal. It was just weird. And <laughs> and I, I was somebody who wrote down my dreams, you know, just about every morning. So mm-hmm. it was to me, it was a forgettable dream. And I only rediscovered it 26 years later wow. and realized, wow. So we can talk <laughs> about that later. But okay. when I dream again is when the dream really shaped me because it didn't shape me at first because I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't remember it. I just wrote it down. Okay. Yeah. So let's save that then. And then we'll circle back and we'll like really see exactly how that whole epiphany happens for you. So I guess uh, moving forward, um, do you want to talk about you know the struggle and the separation that you had to endure with your partner? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the the big part of the story. So, um, or how, how would you lead? How would you, do you want to talk about the birth of, yeah, let's go, let's start there. Um, yeah, let's let's talk to the birthday part. (laughs) Uh, So the actual, when my daughter was born. Yeah. If you want to talk a little bit about that whole experience for you and especially being someone who didn't want, to have a child like how powerful was it for you to experience a birth exactly it it was really amazing and life obviously any baby being born is life-changing but it Mm -hmm. certainly changed my understanding of who I am and who I could be and the wonders of I don't know what it is human biology uh being a woman but in any case, when my, um, when my partner was three months pregnant, around then, when you hear the baby's heartbeat, um, I fell in love with that baby right then yeah. and there. And I did have some dreams. Um, I think we both had dreams of her before she was born. Um, in those days, we did not know the gender, uh, but we did dream a little girl, that we were having a girl. Mm. and. When she was born, it was just an amazing, miraculous moment. You know, I I expected childbirth to be um, upsetting for the baby. I thought it would be traumatic for the baby. It just seemed like going from that watery womb into this bright, you know, we were in a hospital uh, room would be terrible, but she just arrived on this planet with her eyes wide open, looking around like she had just landed in a miracle. And I just saw her glowing from the inside, you know, just light radiating from her. And as it turns out, my partner who wanted the baby so badly because of some uh, physical uh, problems at the birth, she wasn't really able to be so present in the early weeks of my daughter's life. So I really had to step up. I had planned to be sort of in the background as, you know, more, more, dad, more than 1950s dad role, like yeah. I'll go and you take care of her. But I ended up having to be very hands-on right from the beginning and my maternal instinct, which I did not know I possessed, kicked in, <laughs> and, you know, 
I was just so in love with this baby and she was my world. And unfortunately, after about a year and a half, um, my relationship with her mom really deteriorated. And it turned out, in retrospect, I didn't have the um, emotional intelligence at the time to understand or just the knowledge of the world. But it turned out my partner had a mental illness. And it Mm. might have gotten worse from the hormonal changes of pregnancy and birth. I know that that sometimes happens. And um, we did end up breaking up and I moved out. And um, I had my daughter on weekends and holidays and we lived close by. So I was able to drop in a fair amount. But ultimately, when my daughter was um, coming up on her fifth birthday and my partner's mental illness was getting worse and worse, And I did try to get custody because I was afraid for the safety of my daughter. And Mm -hmm. that custody battle did not end well for me. Um, The lesbians had absolutely no legal rights whatsoever, even here in Massachusetts. And I lost custody of her. But not only that, my partner and her family um, would not let me have any contact with my daughter for several years, about five years. Oh, geez. So, yeah. Um, heartbreaking, soul shattering, really um, devastating. Um, anyway, eventually my daughter did end up coming to live with me. Um, you know, the ins and outs of the story are difficult, but you can pretty much imagine, you know, there were Um, custody battles. There was negotiation since we had to finally operate outside of the law because the law did not recognize me. Um, But ultimately, Mm. for the best interest of my daughter, she did come live with me. And of course, by then, because she had gone through a lot, um, she, you know, had her own problems and that we needed to work with. So it was a really challenging journey. It was a very beautiful journey. It was full of love, but also full of a lot of heartache and a lot of challenge. And um, my daughter's grown to be an amazing, wise, beautiful, wonderful, talented woman. But, you know, she has had her own struggles. And so it was when she was full grown and... Um, having some of her own heartbreak that this dream kicked in again for me. Mm. I'll pause there just so everybody can catch up. Cause that's a really full story. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we can slow it down for just a minute. I, I just think that the way you told the whole story of the birth was absolutely so touching. And I'm pretty fresh in it right now. I, we just had my, my daughter, and I think that's probably why I was uh, <laughs> like getting really choked up over here on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, like we just had her birth at the end of November, right before Thanksgiving. And uh, the last two years since COVID happened, Erica and I have had to, go, we've, we've went through two miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And 
We had several dreams surrounding both of those miscarriages of a baby girl. And when she got pregnant this last time, uh, we were just praying to God that this one was going to stick. And it did. And she's with us now. And when we found out it was a baby girl, we just like both just melted into each other and into the bed. We were just like, oh, my God, she's she's actually coming. Like, and yeah, so that was so beautiful. And I, when we had our son, my, I have a son also, and he's he just turned six in October. And um, he, uh, I remember the first time I heard his heartbeat. And I just, <laughs> I don't even know if I can speak that without crying right now, but it like, uh, man, it cemented something so deep inside of me that I just can't even, I don't even know if I could put words to it. I, you said it so beautifully. I, I, I just like, yeah, just edified something inside of me that, and it just granted me this look at a love that I just never knew could live inside of me. Exactly. And, uh, yep. oof. <laughs> oh my God. I hear you. I mean, that is just the miracle of becoming a parent. And since I hadn't wanted to be a parent, I had a lot of friends, maybe that's just what happens, who also didn't want to be parents. And then once I started this journey, I realized, wow, there is a kind of love out there that I did not even know existed. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't have, just like you're saying, I didn't know how to explain it to other people. And I didn't even know if I should. <laughs> because for people who <laughs> don't want to have children, I thought, you know, I just keep this to myself, you know, as a <laughs> inside me. Yeah, it's, it's a miracle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, well, I'm so happy um, for you um, to be in your you. list now, and that's so beautiful. Yeah, we're we're just through the moon because mm-hmm. I just turned 37 yesterday. She's gonna turn 40 here soon, and we were just we're like, I don't know how many more chances we we have, and I don't know how many more times we could take on that kind of heartache. Uh, trying so this was like basically our last i don't know if we would have been able to try again so Mm. i'm kind of hoping crossing my fingers here that maybe i can get her to come on the podcast later this year and we can tell the whole story and all the beautiful dreams that accompanied all of that um i don't know if i'll be able to get her to do it but maybe she'll accept uh jason interviewing me and let me tell the story so oh that would be yeah yeah so to circle back to your story, um, uh, before we get too much into what that initial dream held for you, I, I know you had said to me an email that, um, especially during the time where you weren't able to be with your daughter um, or see her at all, uh, that you had quite a few experiences that felt like they were really allowing you to stay connected with her. And maybe you had a few dreams around that time that um, aided you in that, if you want to speak to any of that. Absolutely. So I don't have uh, any real specific ones, but I'll tell you the kinds of things that would happen, and they happen to this day. Um, Maybe (laughs) some of this is more uh, the kind of psychic connection between a parent and child, but when we first lived separately, 
I would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and hear her crying my name. You know, obviously I was nowhere within hearing distance and I would call my ex in the morning and ask how she was, how my daughter was doing. And she, my ex would say something like, oh my goodness, she woke up in the middle of the night calling for you, you know, or I would have a dream that she had a tummy ache and then I'd go pick her up the next day. And my ex would say, oh, you know, be careful what she eats. She's been having a tummy ache or all that sort of thing. And, (laughs) and, then, of course, during um, the time when I could have no contact, you know, my dreams were just always there. And it's not only this difficulty. I've had other difficulties in my life, other losses and the whole nine yards. And the dreams just, they keep me going, you know. Um, yeah. You know, they give me that support and encouragement and remind me that there's a big story of love here. And even to this day, I, you know, it happened just the other day. I called up my daughter um, and I said, how you doing? And she said, not so good. And I said, yeah, I knew. And she said, yeah, I knew you knew. (laughs) It was just like, (laughs) and I I said, and I knew you knew that I knew. And I was trying to give you space. It's just that connection that comes through dreams and intuitions. And I think that most parents would be able to tell a similar story, but because of the separations, it was very pronounced at times. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it seems like that takes uh, a mother's intuition to a whole new level. (laughs) I I think it amps up. Be a dreamer in the the mother intuition is crazy accurate. Right. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, do you know Maureen Boyd Bureau? Yes, I do. She shared, I don't know if you've listened to this episode. I know, I think you would listen to maybe a couple of them. She shared this really beautiful story of her mother going through Alzheimer's and the connection that the two of them had during that time period through her dreams. Yeah. And, oh man, it just really highlighted so beautifully, like, how really intense like the mother daughter connection is yeah and i just was like baffled now <laughs> and I, to hear you talk in the same way just it just makes me really curious um you know how I guess how prevalent that really is between mothers and daughters, um, especially if you are someone who is more in tune in that way. Um, if there really is like a really special bond like that, I mean, because you don't have a son, right? No, no. Okay. But It'd I, be interesting if you could tell me if it right. if it's different between you and the. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, my mom yeah. and I had it. She's dead. Uh, She's passed on, but we still have it. And we had it through her Alzheimer's um, as well. And yeah, so. um, Oh, and then I was going to say the interesting thing about my daughter and me, if anybody ever wants to do a study of this, you know, we're not biologically related. So when I say, you know, my mature psychic connection that mothers and daughters have. Um, it's interesting because I often forget we don't have a biological connection and, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes either one of us will say something and then, you know, like, oh, you probably inherited that. From, oh, no, you couldn't have, you know, 
<laughs> we do not have a biological connection. Um, mm. and my mom and I do, uh, but it doesn't seem very different between, if anything, my daughter and I have a stronger one. Um, right, yeah. I can't, yeah, they're both strong. So, yeah. It yeah, doesn't. It's very soul, a soul connection. That's right. Yeah, it's not all biology. You know, plenty of stuff is, but. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's that's really really cool. Well, I'm I would be really curious to hear back from you if you listen to that story and how it might mirror and reflect your own journey with your mother and Alzheimer's. Because, man, her story is really just quite unbelievable in the way that her dreams really aided her navigating that with her mom. Um, I will look forward to that. Yeah, I'm sure I'll relate. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's see uh, if you want to move just forward from the separation and uh, talk. Do you have any I'm trying to remember from your emails? If you said you had any dreams once she came to live with you, that wasn't there yeah. oh, your bliss, like, yeah, your bliss dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for reminding me of that one. I was thinking of a different one. So that was a great one. So, I mean, great in terms of the dream that taught me a lot. And it taught me a lot about how dreams work and how we can work with them. So what happened there was my daughter's teenage years, not surprisingly, were very challenging because she had a lot to heal from. She'd been Mm -hmm. through a lot. And so her teenage years were very challenging, which meant her teenage years were also very challenging for me. And she was very rebellious at the time and... She took out a lot of her anger and hurt on me because I was a stable presence and I was her mom and moms are punching bags sometimes. (laughs) It was a really hard time. And during, um, I think she was either in late, towards the end of high school or the beginning of college, she she went to college nearby. Um, My partner, you know, my newer partner at the time had just, walked out and left us, uh, left me mostly. And um, and so I was pretty devastated. So I had asked my dreams to show me true happiness, to show me bliss. So I needed, I needed some hope there. And the dreams complied beautifully. And so the way that dream came was, um, in the dream, I'm holding a basket of dirty laundry And I'm walking into my daughter's bedroom, which looked as it would in waking life, as if a bomb went off in there. (laughs) (laughs) And and the dream was perfectly realistic. And um, the only thing that was different was on a cabinet in her room, there was like a little light glowing, like from the wood, the wooden finish. And and so I got lucid. I, I realized, okay, this is a dream. And so I just kept watching that light and the light turned into these beautiful glowing peacock type colors. And I just let myself, because I knew I was in a dream, get lost in those colors. And I remembered my intention to show me bliss. And um, so I just started to rock in these, these colors sort of took on like a quality of, uh, tangibility, you know, in that I could just be in them and be rocked, and it turned into like a midnight sky, and 
all of the me disappeared. There was just a point of consciousness left, so I was enveloped in the oneness. And it was so beautiful. And I just, you know, woke up from that dream and I rode on that beautiful wave of feeling embraced by the one and, you know, having so little ego left that I could just experience um, true bliss. So, oh, that was cool. And I could have just left it there. And I did for a while. It's just like, I'm just going to enjoy that dream. But then I started to wonder, why did that dream start with me holding a basket of dirty laundry in my daughter's bedroom, like her mess of a bedroom? And um, I pondered that. And I learned from that dream that I... I found bliss at the edge of the mess, at the edge of this was being at that moment a really difficult relationship full of hurt and heartache and anger and, you know, my daughter resisting me and putting up her walls and in response I was putting up my walls. And as I worked with that dream, I realized the truth of that, that bliss comes when we work through and face consciously, because this did turn into a lucid dream, our most difficult moments, our most difficult relationships. And I stayed with it and I took it as a call to let, you know, unilaterally let down some of my defenses and try to soften my relationship with my daughter in that phase of our lives. And that dream and many others over time reminded me, you know, to soften, to listen more, to be vulnerable with her and to improve our relationship. Um, so that was a turn, that particular dream was a real turning point. Wow. That's, that is so cool. I, I love the fact that even the act of becoming lucid yeah. uh, is looked at as like having conscious awareness of <laughs> you know facing these issues consciously um and head on that's that's so cool that even that because I, I think a lot of people when they have lucid dreams they they don't even look at it symbolically at that point but yeah. they're from my from my experience with lucid dreaming there's still so much symbolic worth um oh. within <laughs> within lucid dream that yeah that's yeah beautiful wow yeah, there's so much fun to just experience, but they're still in the realm of the dream. So all of the imagery, you know, even if we have requested something in a lucid dream, we can't control exactly how exactly. it turn up. So there's yes, always imagery to to listen to, to respond to, to let it speak to us. Yeah. That actually brings to mind something my partner just sent to me the other day. She sent me this, uh, oh man, it just made me ball because it just hit all those perfect little parent <laughs> parent traps uh, as far as like, oh man, uh, let me see if I can even begin to kind of rehash it. It was basically kind of reminding you as a parent that these days are fleeting and you know the baby 
the child sleeping in between you and your partner in your bed with their feet in your face and all crooked and cockeyed in the bed and keeping you up all night and tugging on your sleeve and saying, look, look, look at this. Um, all these like little things that over time kind of get like, ah, God, what now? Um, and we kind of get frustrated over uh, these things are fleeting and they're, they're not going to always tuck, be there to tug on your shoulder to say, look at this mommy or look at this daddy. Um, and to really cherish these moments. And that was like the first thing that hit me when you started telling your, your dream was that holding the dirty basket of dirty laundry, <laughs> staring into the, the complete mess of a room uh, that this is where you find your bliss right now, because it's not always going to be this way. And you're not always going to have her here with you like that. And yeah, that's, I, I like your your spin on it too. I, I, that's just like personally how that image like really spoke to me. It was like you got to you got to find it here and now because she's she's almost out of the house. She's almost gone. Yeah, and you're, you're gonna it. wish that you had this dirty mess to pick up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love what you saw on that. That's that's awesome. I, and you know, every not just this dream, but every time I share any dream that I've shared many times. I always learn something new. So that is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was one of, <laughs> she says me posts like that all the time. And I just like, I'm at work and all of a sudden I just like have to put the phone down as I'm sitting there balling. I'm like, people are going to see me and go, what is wrong with this guy? He's always over there crying in the corner. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and I don't know, man, there's something about being a dad. Just, I mean, I've always been kind of a softy at heart, but ever since I've become a dad, I just like, especially if there's like a dad movie, like a movie surrounding like a really uh, hard dad relationship or like mm -hmm. a big reconciliatory like movie with a dad or the dad dies or anything like that. Like, Oh my God, I just can't even, I, I'm just a mess. Man, I cannot do these dad movies anymore. Like, Holy cow. Uh, what what a great um, I don't know it's just a a great statement about the quality of your heart and your love and and uh, strength to be able to show that vulnerability. I know you say, oh, I don't want people to see me, but you're letting it out. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, uh, I could share a couple of, couple of dreams that have helped me with fatherhood. If you're yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. A few a few years ago, when I was already a, a couple of years into being a dad, um, I had, I was listening to this podcast about uh, it was like a men's work podcast, and these two men were talking about their their experience of fatherhood, and one of them said, um, "I heard that uh, sometimes." you know, fatherhood comes on later for, for men, that it takes some time for that impulse to kind of kick in for them. And it's not that I wasn't all in right off the bat, kind of like what, what I said earlier, like as soon as I heard that heartbeat, something so deep and true and beautiful within me just broke wide open. Uh, but there's, <laughs> there's no preparation 
that you can have uh, prior to becoming a parent uh, that is sufficient in preparing you for that. And I felt like I was just fumbling through it for like the first year. And at least for a dad, like it's, it's not possible to form a deep bond with your child, even though they, they're not exhibiting a whole lot of personality off right off the bat. And, uh, I mean, it just continues to build over the course of that first year. And, um, but it's still, I mean, it's hard to, as a man, it's hard to connect with your child until they really have a personality and they're able to actually engage with you. And, it seems like it's a little bit more natural for a woman. I don't know if that's because they're they've been cooking the baby for <laughs> nine months and they're like their body is all like all in already. That it's just a natural, and maybe even that's wrong. Maybe I can't even say that. Maybe some mothers, I'm sure postpartum have a hard time with that as well. But um, for me, hearing that was like wow. It just made this one dream that I had about a year into him being born that was like, yeah, I feel like right about that point when I had that dream was, was a big turning point for me and him where I stopped resisting fatherhood so much. Mm. And I like finally like leaned into it. Like before it was like every stage in that first year, there's so many stages so quickly that you're constantly thrown off your game. Like as soon as you get used to one stage, all of a sudden there's this whole new set of uh, yeah. <laughs> parameters surrounding it that you're like, Oh my God, like uh, this is too much too soon all the time. Um, and so, yeah, I had this dream where uh, I was in my apartment at, that I was living in at the time. And there was a few people in the room, but the only person that I actually remember that was there uh, was my father. And all of a sudden something catches my eye out the window and I'm looking and there's this blue and black hummingbird mm. and it's just kind of zipping kind of in place, just kind of back and forth real, just within the scope of the window. And as it's sitting there flapping its wings, the wings become bigger and bigger and slow down. And then eventually they just lay flat against the, the window and it's a butterfly now. Oh, wow. And, it's if you've ever seen that really striking black butterfly that has like the blue dot, mm. um, it was one of those butterflies and it was so big and so gorgeous. And me and my father at the very exact same time say out loud, wow, I've never seen anything like that. Mm. And then we both like snap our heads towards each other and like look at each other like, what the heck was that? <laughs> like. Uh, this moment feels even more intense that we just jinxed each other. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was like right after that dream, something like really shifted for me. And uh, yeah, I don't, I can't, this is five or six years ago now, so I can't even rem really remember exactly what that moment was for me. But uh, I mean, the hummingbird, mashup with the butterfly was such a beautiful symbol of like i don't know hummingbirds to me like have such a joy and they just feel like abundant energy and for it to transform into the butterfly it just felt like such a beautiful uh, moment of transformation of there being some 
some way that joy was kind of blossoming at that moment for me where it was a joyful experience and not so much a resisting the immense responsibility that fatherhood was for me. And so, yeah, that, that was one that was really, really, really beautiful. And the couple months leading up to after that, I had a handful of dreams that were really bringing home the whole notion of the sacrificial father mm. and, and just giving me like these really beautiful, like images and these, in these very archetypal ways of, of what the father energy and its height could really look like. Wow. And a couple of those dreams looked like, uh, I was just reviewing these today. Uh, one of them was, I was, I was just a third person point of view watching the dream happen. And there was this father who was playing hockey with his son and the father was so graceful on the ice and was, heading towards the goal and just before he's about to hit it he stops and he passes it over to his son for his son to take a shot and there was this beautiful notion in there it just felt like yeah he could have taken that shot and he could have totally sank it if he wanted to but it didn't matter to him the the win lose the um that whole dichotomy like that wasn't anywhere in his his field of vision all he cared about was trying to unlock some untapped potential inside of his son. Yeah. And it was so gorgeous. And it didn't matter if his son missed a shot or not. It was all about him trying to find his own beautiful potential. And so I had quite a few dreams like that. And there was this one beautiful dream where... Um, this was really the sacrificial one. Uh, I share this in an earlier episode where uh, this this guy talked about his process of adopting his kids, and I shared this dream in that one, but I'll just share it with you real quick. Uh, I was overhearing two fathers, two men talk, and it was understood that the one was a father, and he was explaining to the other man that he worked as like a diamond miner and that he spent all this time trying to mine these diamonds for his daughter. And he reaches in his pockets and he pulls out just like scrap pieces of paper and like lint. Um, and it was like this gesture that this is all I have after all of it. Mm. And everything that I do and everything that I earn and everything that I am is given to her um, as a beautifully selfless act to help her to, to grow into become the person that she's meant to be and uh man that really hit home and i was reading i don't know if you've ever read toko pa turner's book belonging but right like two days after i had that dream i was reading her book and there was this point in, in the book where she talks about uh living your life as an offering to the debt that can't be repaid. Mm, wow. And I was like, oh my God, if that isn't what like parental sacrifice is all about, like, I don't know what it right? is. Like as a parent, we're so willing to just give our time and ourselves so fully and so completely because the debt of beauty that we're given in the form of our children is so immense that we don't know any other way to even begin to pay God back for 
that beauty in our lives and man so yeah just a whole slew of really beautiful dreams like really trying to hammer home the just a beautiful vision of of what fatherhood could be for me if I really did wow lean in and own (laughs) own the responsibility and the duty that was before me uh so yeah that Wow, those are really amazing, beautiful, beautiful dreams. And um, the sacrificial father, um, you know, I feel like, you know, I could really relate to that in my my (laughs) parenting journey. There was, you know, so much sacrifice. Um, And that word sacrifice... I mean, I'm t- I'm torn. Half of me wants to just talk about those dreams specifically, but the theme of the sacrificial parent rings really deeply for me. Um, during the time when I'd lost my daughter, you know, when I couldn't contact her, that was just about five years to the day, and um, it was so devastatingly hard. And I had a waking dream experience. I don't know what you would call this. You know, it was in the middle of the night, and I woke up. And really, I was, I functioned really well during those years, but I was so deeply broken. And, you know, there was a lot of lying on the couch and wondering, you know, how do I move? How do I go on to the next thing? So it was a really intense time. But one night I woke up in the middle of the night and um, my then partner was sleeping in the bed and I went downstairs. I was just moved. Um, The biblical story of... Abraham and Isaac on the mountain where, um, you know, Abraham's told by God to sacrifice his son um, came to me. I don't know why that story came to me, but I went downstairs and I was, um, it was like one of those spiritual epiphanies where I understood that story suddenly, that Mm. what that story meant was nothing belongs to us and my daughter never belonged to me and she didn't belong to her other mother she didn't belong to any of us everything belonged to god and um and for whatever reason that story that imagery let me let go and i just felt it i felt liberated i just felt like i i did like a little mini ritual in the middle of the night downstairs i just like collected stuff is of my daughter and I found some um, some of those beads from Mardi Gras, those plastic beads and mm-hmm. I made like a little altar with the beads and her pictures and just sort of, you know, in my mind and heart, I just let go. I turned her over to God and um, and I was okay. For the first time I was okay. I was uh-huh. accepted and um, that was beautiful. I was on this this cushion of, of spiritual liberation and, and peace for the first time and maybe ever in my life. And not, I don't remember if it was a few days or a week later, I get a phone call after five years and it was my ex saying, there's someone who wants to talk to you. And that was my daughter. Wow. Yeah. So that wasn't exactly a dream, but it was kind of like one. Yeah, for sure. I wasn't going to share that, but that when you brought up that theme of the sacrificial parent, um, yeah, 
it's yeah no i'm so glad you did that's yeah that's really so heartfelt um i i'm curious if you know the poem by uh kalo gibran yes on, on, on children yes. yeah that's a good one that's some deep wisdom <laughs> yeah that that just came to mind when when you were talking about how the sons and the know, they're really not our children uh yeah, it's so funny. My my mother used to actually recite that poem to my brother mm. uh, when he was a kid, and he would cry and get all upset. And he'd be like, "What do you mean I'm not your child?" That's <laughs> a little much for a little kid to take in. <laughs> yeah, that is that. So if if you've never heard that poem, out anybody listening, uh, the first line of it says, uh, "Your children are not your children; they are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself." And so that's that's the line that my brother used to get all upset about. Oh. Um, you know, guy, Sweet but... Honey in the Rock has a beautiful, people should uh, look that up too, the Sweet Honey in the Rock, uh, put that to music in a real beautiful way. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I've, I've, not, I've never heard of that, so I'll have to yeah. look that up. That's gorgeous. Look it up. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um. So is there anything else that you can add to this story that you would like to say before we circle back to that first dream? Well, yeah. So the the thing about the dream that I came with, um, the first dream about the woman, the robed woman handing me my daughter, <laughs> handing me a baby. Um, <laughs> so just about a year ago or a year and a half ago, I was looking through, as I mentioned, I didn't remember that dream, you know, um, mm -hmm. a year and a half ago, for one thing, my daughter was going through a very, very hard time in her life. I didn't know how I could help her. I was devastated once again, you know, um, <laughs> my nerves were shot, you know, I just felt like I couldn't take any more hard things. And, um, <laughs> I just felt like being a mother was just too hard, you know, I mean, yeah. it was just. I, I felt like I was be, always being asked to do something more than I knew how to do. And I, so that was in the background. And in the foreground, I can't remember what it was, but there was something I wanted to remember from, you know, when I was around that age. Um, I wish I could remember what I was looking for, but I went to my old journals to, to look it up. And I stumbled upon this dream that I told you of the, um, the robed woman. And when I opened my journal to that page and read that dream, it was again, one of those people listening to this are going to think I have an epiphany every day, but we're talking about decades. But you know, my life as a dreamer, it is pretty intense, but I open up this <laughs> journal and I see that dream and again, I just knew in that deepest way that you know something like we were destined for each other. You know, yeah. I was meant to be the mother of this child, even though I, you know, my will was totally otherwise, you know, leading up to having her. I never wanted mm -hmm. a child, but she was meant for me. And that dream just confirmed it. And I was meant for her. And that gave me a sense of peace and strength for the challenge we were facing in that moment. And, you know, 
the title of your podcast, The Dreams That Shape Us, and you talk a lot about story, you know, about telling your story through your dreams. And what this taught me, among many other things, is A, keep a dream journal, because you're going <laughs> to get dreams that are the most important to you. So keep that mm-hmm. dream journal and refer back to it from time to time. But also that one of the ways that dreams give us strength is to help us to know our story. I couldn't see my own story until I saw that dream. I couldn't see that it's not necessarily what I want out of life, but what life wants for me and life had a plan for me. And that Mm. plan for me to be this particular mother to this particular girl. And it just shifted everything for me. Wow. Yeah, I just had the straight and that next that next um, you know doorway that my daughter and I walked through together in our lives has been the most beautiful so far. And despite the fact that I've been sharing a lot of the challenges, obviously there's been lots of beauty and joy and love in this story too. Um, but that that dream helped launch me and give me the strength for the next chapter and to to embrace everything all again in a whole new way. And in fact, um, I, I'm trying to get the chronology right on this, but the next time I saw my daughter, uh, we were in New York City and we were meeting uh, uh, somewhere. And when I saw her and hugged her, it just felt different. It just felt like I was embracing that baby from the dream um again wow yeah so that's how that dream shaped me it shaped it helped me shape the story yeah it almost feels like i mean that that moment sounds so beautiful it almost feels like in that moment instead of telling the robed woman you're too early you finally said no you were right on time this was wow exactly Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah isn't that so amazing like uh there's so many dreams i've had like that where it's like decades later yeah. um it reveals itself in such a poignant way where you're just like oh my god that everything that i've just been through has been so validated and understanding now like yeah that you've been whatever that wisdom is like you've been with me this whole time you exactly. you you knew exactly who I was before I even knew it myself and yeah there's just so much grace that you feel in those moments where it's just like it just makes it all right it makes it all worth it and yeah so everybody make sure you're writing your dreams down because yeah even the ones that like she said uh that you think are just throwaway dreams uh who knows in 25 years uh you might look back at it and go holy crap that's the key <laughs> that was the key i needed to unlock my life story <laughs> they're pretty amazing they're pretty amazing i don't know how people who don't remember their dreams get through their days <laughs> yeah oh that's what i tell people all the time where i'm just like I really like I've been doing this for 17 years now and I just I don't even know how to reconcile who I would have become had I not had my dreams like erupt in my life the way they did and 
like just how much they've given me over the course of the last almost two decades like holy cow i can't even imagine not having that guiding force in my life like mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man that that's that that other dimension i mean it's a dimension of beauty it's a spiritual dimension for sure it's a dimension of meaning yeah yeah meaning yes yeah so yeah so to bring it back to the uh the uh the more recent dream about the the birth well, one one question i have for you real quick is uh um who do you think the robed woman is like do you have any uh, feelings about who that character is not that you might i mean it's probably arch- mm-hmm. archetypal but uh if you have any thoughts on that aspect of the dream i just think of her as a priestess um you know, I, I I don't have a visual memory of that dream anymore because it was so long mm-hmm. ago. So I only have that very vague description from the journal. So another call for folks to put in as much detail as you can, as you have time for. <laughs> but, um, but I have had a rogue woman uh, show up over the years that looked like a, a priestess or goddess um, type or somebody who serves the goddess. Uh, and I've never, you could probably tell from the story I told about Abraham and Isaac, I have a pretty traditional sense of religion in a lot of ways. So I've never <laughs> until recently really thought too much about goddesses, but um, I imagine yeah. maybe she is a priestess who served the goddess and um, or the divine feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's shown up, um, or that type of character has shown up, um, you know, when I was, um, looking for um, love <laughs> after after uh, that breakup that I mentioned of um, the partner who I was with until about I don't know fifteen years ago, um, and the one that led me to my the, the series of dreams that led me to my husband also had a priestess who um, handed me an engagement ring. It's a wedding ring at some point, uh, just like that wow. other one handed me the baby. Um, and again, several years before I actually met my, my husband, but, uh, so that's who I think she is. I think she's some kind of divine feminine who's, um, yeah, maybe like an angelic figure who is watching me and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. The baby clearly wasn't hers. You know, she got this somewhere. Yeah, it was yours. Yeah, it's mine. <laughs> <It was> mine. <laughs> so, oh wow, so yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah well, let's uh, I, let's talk about let's talk about the birthday dream. Okay, right next time I encounter that priestess, I'll have to ask her who she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So the that dream, uh, it helped me choose what to talk to you about today and now that we've gone in deep i can see it was the right dream mm-hmm. um, but then just a few days after i had it i was facetiming with my daughter who was again going through a crisis <laughs> she was going through and <laughs> i won't share too much about her crises because that's her life but you know she needed me and she was sad and having a hard time and while we're talking, she is baking a cake. 
And I'm like, you know, we're on FaceTime. So I'm like, oh, so the cake was for one of her dear friends who was having a gender reveal party. Now, this was new to me, but the young people these days, maybe you and your wife did this. They have a party Mm -hmm. to announce the gender of the baby. And so my daughter, uh, who's the godmother of this child who's on its way, um, was baking a cake for the occasion. I said, oh, honey, show me the cake. And so she pointed her camera at the cake, and it is a pure white cake. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and it, the one in my dream was uh, the shape of a sheet pan cake, but this one was the shape of a birthday cake. And okay. um, it just looked so much like my dream. I just was, you know, again, I had the chills. Here we are again with another birth story happening. You know, this baby's yeah. about- born and this white cake that's so reminiscent of my dream is there and it's my own daughter baking it it was just you know amazing (laughs) (laughs) so many layers to this dream of uh how everything's interconnecting that's so exactly it was so many synchronicities wow yeah there you have it (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah. What do you what do you make of like uh the whole like flipping of the cake over? Yeah. And all of that. Have yeah. you sank into any of that? Well, I haven't I don't know for sure, but the feeling sense I have is it has been a journey that has, you know, there's there's the frosting has not been smooth and easy you know they say it's the ice on the cake and and you know (laughs) our cake has you know had some um some messy icing moments so there's definitely that um i think that it reveals some of my own nervousness about talking about this story. I Mm, shared that right up front with you in the emails that I was, you know, I speak publicly a lot. I write memoir. I tell my story a lot, but it's still a very tender story and I was nervous about it. And um, so I think there was that feeling of, I hope I'm not rearranging things, you know, in the dream that was like I had rearranged and made a mess like I don't want to make a mess of this I want to be respectful of my daughter I want to be respectful of her story so I thought a lot about how much I want to share and what I want to share and to really stick with my part of the story as much as I can Mm -hmm. Um, so that helped me prepare for the this discussion in that way and I also think I won't know 100% right now what all of it means you know it'll keep unfolding Yeah, that's that feels right on to me. That's, yeah. 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 Something that I was just telling Jason, uh, we just released our two year two year anniversary episode, and uh, in that conversation with him, I was telling him how how interesting I think it is that us dream workers really love talking about our dreams, and <laughs> but. It seems like whenever I ask somebody to come on here to talk about their dreams, there's like a lot of trepidation about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that it really does put you in the hot seat and really has forces you to bear, bear your soul. And uh, I'm so deeply grateful that so many people have been so 
forthright with their stories and their dreams and everything that it's meant for them because you know this is the dreams that shape us and i don't think you can really honestly bring a story to this format that isn't messy in some way Mm. um because for you to be shaped by a story or life situation or your dreams in general there's always some challenge there's always some hardship there's always some heartache that that happens that through living through it or uh, living into it that that's how you become shaped by it that it it gets to work on you and yeah, it's <laughs> I, I like so, yeah, everybody, everybody that comes on here always has a sense of trepidation. And there's a few people that didn't voice it, but I, I know for sure that it had to have been that case, um, but especially the ones that are really sharing something close to the chest. That's yeah, I'm, I, even my, myself included, even with how open I, f- I think that I am as soon as I, I really have to bear stuff. I'm like, no, this is actually not very easy. And I need to make sure that I realize that when I'm asking people to come on here and, and do it, that I got to be willing to do it myself. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so maybe that's part of what that messed up icing is about too. You know, it's, it's, the fact that you're not going to be able to have a perfect facade if you're going to be sharing dreams. And I know when my daughter was very little, uh, she would tell me her dreams. Uh, She would just very easily tell me her dreams, and I loved hearing them. And when I heard them, I would feel like I was getting to see a little bit into her soul. Mm -hmm. And as she got older and got to know me in dreams, she stopped telling them to me because she knew that I could see a little bit into her soul. And so she just stopped, you know, when she didn't want to be open with me, she stopped sharing her dreams with me for many years uh, through those Mm. years. And now, and, you know, then once she got to be in her twenties or whatever, she started sharing them again. But the point is um, we, we know, we know that when we share a dream, we're not fully in control of what we're sharing. Yeah. That we're revealing we're revealing a lot more than we know. And so that is scary. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jung said something to the effect of dreams are not winning any popularity contests because, <laughs> you know, once you take this journey, it's not all unicorns and rainbows. I mean, yeah. some deep, dark, complicated stuff. But like that dream I shared about the dirty laundry, you know, if you're willing to go into that, then you really can get to, you know, not just simple hallmark happiness, but the real true joy and bliss. It's a rocky road, you know, it's a messed up cake. (laughs) 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 But it's real. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Very human. Um, Yeah. I, I love what you said about her not wanting to share because I know a lot of people, have patted me on the back and we're like, yeah, well, it's so great that he's going to grow up in a household that really mm-hmm. cherishes dreams. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's one thing for me to try to try to foster that in him, but it's going to be another thing, whether he, he actually really, it like, is that going to become a point where like a, a form of rebellion where, <laughs> um, you know, like that's like, like you said, like, 
I imagine a teenager would feel like, well, that's way too exposing. And especially if the parent really knows their stuff with DreamWork, uh, like that's a little too much information maybe to, to these, these, these authoritative people that are trying to control my life already to give them <laughs> access to my dreams. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it's I, something that just happened the other day that I, I think I'll share with you because I think it'll, it'll add something here too. Um, was I asked my son all the time, he's six, uh, if he had a dream and a lot of times he'll say no. And I, I could I can't, for a while there, I couldn't tell if like it was that he actually wasn't remembering them or if he just didn't want to share them. Because mm. sometimes, sometimes he will. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds exactly like a dream. And sometimes it's like he wants to impress me. And so he'll, mm. he'll make one up that doesn't, sounds like he's like looking around the room and he's like adding things and none of it's adding up to being like an actual <laughs> coherent, like, telling of a dream um and so the other day I, he had he had woken up in the middle of the night to a nightmare and i didn't press him for details in the middle of the night but when we woke up i was asking him uh so do you remember uh, what that that nightmare was that you had when you woke up in the middle of the night and he said no i don't and i was like you know i had a really hard dream this morning too it was really scary to me and he goes, really? And I was like, yeah. And I I told him it in full and his eyes like lit up almost like he was like, oh, my nightmare isn't mm. that weird or it's not that unusual or bizarre. And maybe I can tell my dad this and he won't think it's so weird. Mm. And he told me what the dream was that he had. And I was, and it was like just a instant like, no, this is what my dream was like. And I'm like, oh, my God, he actually he did remember it. Mm. And he just didn't know if he was safe to tell it with me. And it wasn't until I was I leveled with him and was vulnerable in that way with him that he felt safe enough to share that with me. So Aww. that like was so beautiful to me. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to really have to remember that going forward that um. I got to model this for him. I can't just ask him for my, my dream or for his dreams. I got to be willing to share mine with him also and, and share how, how like the beauty that I get from him. So he knows that they're valuable and that he mm -hmm. sees it modeled in his life. Um, so yeah, it was like such a big turning point for me with, um, trying to develop a relationship with him around dreams. So, Oh yeah. What a great opportunity. I mean, you know, there are statistics that show in adult relationships that couples who share their dreams have more intimacy and stronger relationships. And I haven't seen studies about parents and kids, but it stands to reason that it would be the same because of what you're talking about. It's a shared vulnerability and, um, yeah, it's modeling how to navigate with, I mean, we're talking about dreams. We're also talking about intuition. We're talking about divine intelligence. And so to show kids that they have this resource and that it is something to handle because it's going to come with nightmares too. And it's going to come, you know, with, with disturbing or confusing dreams too. But 
you know, here's how we work through it. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. So I think to, to end here with you tonight, uh, I would love to ask you kind of point blank if you could summarize for all of us here tonight, uh, I guess if you could just share your heart and in the way of what it's meant for you to have these dreams and the way that they've accompanied you with your motherhood journey and how they continue to do that for you. Um, uh, just what that means for you to have this in your life, this guiding, beautifying force that companions you as a mother. Mm-hmm. How does that shape you and how? what does that mean for you to have that? Well, in this case, how it's shaped me is assuring me that there was a plan, there is a plan, and so not just with this particular instance of my relationship with my daughter, but in every aspect of my life, and of course in every aspect of the people who I encounter. Um, Whether they remember their dreams or not, it helps me remember that there is a plan, there is a bigger picture that I'm not always aware of. It's humbling, and it's to me very reassuring and comforting. Um, It really is where I get my source of strength and and learn how to be more human in the world. Um, But it also is a great, this particular dream and how it all unfolded in terms of finding the dream sometime later and having it help me understand my role as a mother reminds me that dreams are narrative. They're storytelling um, creatures or storytelling events and our lives are stories. And yeah, the dreams help us to shape our story. And once we have that shape for our story, once I had my shape for this story, it just makes life so much more full and full of meaning. So I guess that's what it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, very, very beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on here tonight and sharing these beautiful dreams with me and uh, the whole story of you and your journey through motherhood. I just think it was a seriously touching and beautiful ode to that whole, that whole, uh, I would say chapter of your life, but I don't think there's ever an end to the, the chapter of Saga. being mother. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, Steve, I really want to thank you too and your um, partner for creating this podcast because you're really holding space, you know, on the one-on-one, you know, in terms of our conversation, but also the community of people who listen in and um, really creating a space for giving dreams their due. And uh, that's really beautiful. So thanks. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. That means a lot. It's, it's been such an honor of ours to, to really create this beautiful ode to dreams in this way. It's just, man, especially after we just released the two-year anniversary and I got to sit back and really soak in just how beautiful this journey has been to, to bring this forward into the world. And 
all that it's meant for me these last two years. And uh, yeah, it's just been so edifying in so many ways that, oh man, I just, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Another birthday, by the way, another birthday for our theme, your two year day of your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that and congratulations on your on your brand new baby. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. You take good care. Yes. Well, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you again. Bye bye. Our mission is to bring you story after story about the life affirming power of dreams. And Zibia's story does it again. Her dream launched her onto the path of motherhood. And it's so appropriate for us to share it during this season when we celebrate mothers. In season two, episode seven, we brought you Maureen's story about the long journey of Alzheimer's with her mother and the dreams that guided her. Check it out to keep the celebration going. And then there's season one, episode three with Linda and the dream that told her how her baby daughter would fit into her life. And I want to share with all the folks out there who have thoughts about being a parent. Watch your dreams for their signs. Watch for opportunities to affirm the possibility if you want it. I know many, many parents who never thought it would happen for them, and others who never wanted it really, until they saw it in a dream or a series of dreams, they saw their future children. And by saying yes in their dreams, they made it real in their lives. Make sure that those dreams make it into your journal. As Zivia attests to, it may be many years later when you look back and realize you dreamed the future. Maybe you dreamed it into being. In addition to being a prolific dreamer, Zivia teaches people how to express their deepest inner selves by combining writing with dreaming. It opens a gusher of creativity and calls forth into being parts of you waiting for their potential to be actualized. So calling on writers, poets, and creative people of all stripes, check out her book titled Dreaming on the Page. Dreaming on the Page. She'll teach you how to create your future through DreamWork. And by the way, she's also on Instagram. Look up Zivia, T-Z-I-V-I-A, Gover, G-O-V-E-R. Steve and I invite you to drop by our website, dreamshapeus.com. We've got music and books and lots of great stuff to share with you there. And for me, J.M. DeBoard, Stevie E., Zivia, and all the fabulous mothers out there, we want to wish you nighty-night and 